Thanks for tuning in to another installment of the Cosign Conversations. Uh, today we got a very special guest. Got my guy Maxie Taylor, CEO of Goody Box. How you doing, bro? Man, I appreciate you coming today, man. Man, I appreciate the invite. Hey, you know, long overdue, so we're here now. You know what I'm saying? But you know, I personally know you, man, but for those who don't know, you kind of give us a rundown on who is Maxie Taylor. All right. Well, Maxie Taylor, I'm a Texas native. Um, I'm a father, uh, technology entrepreneur. Been here in Dallas since about 2015. Uh, man, the sole focus, just trying to get this company goodie box off the ground. Uh, man, stay down, loyal type of guy. Nah, for sure. So let's, uh, let's, t- let's do a little bit of your history before we get to today, right? So before goodie box, what were you into? What were you doing? Man, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Um, serial entrepreneur. Uh, went to college at uh, U of H. A um, little bit before that, uh, dibble dabble with um, party promotion. Okay. Um, you know, sold this, sold that. Yeah. Um, so you know, legal, <laughs> not legal, but yeah. you know, found my way of you know making a way out of nothing. Yeah. So what was your first uh, first attempt at business? What what model was it? What industry were you in? Your first go to in business? Well, ironically, um, from my, my, my family, um, they had a, a kind of a, I'll call it a bodega. It's kind of like a okay. mini kind of convenience store. Right. I grew up in the family. Um, so as a kid, you know, they had like a pool home, different little things. So my first kind of venture was taking candy from there that I got in bulk and taking it to school and, you know, making a little bit of change. And certain people couldn't have candy. So that, you know, first my first introduction to kind of seeing the opportunity to make money and kind of just open my eyes to be real honest. For sure. And then that led you, I mean, years later led you into entrepreneurship with Goody Box, which is basically an automated retail experience? Definitely. So a little bit of that, um, I, I didn't grow up even with that proximity, you know, understanding like what an entrepreneur was, to right. be honest. Um, so I worked my way up just with the traditional upbringing, you know, come from a single family household right. and still man, you gotta get a job, you know, yeah. all that dreaming, trying to get a business, we, we, we need money to do that. It's yeah. always a story. So, you know, uh, worked my way up, reached that glass ceiling, you know, uh, in my corporate career and like, took a part in opportunity to transition into entrepreneurship. And, oh, wow. So you just left corporate and wanted to be on your own. What's the first thing after you left corporate that you, that you dived into? The first thing was Goody Box. Okay. Um, so uh, dealing with commercial real estate, asset management, you know, I was seeing firsthand like what people kind of call retail apocalypse, which is seeing how these big box stores are essentially going out of business. And I would go out and have, you know, relationships with the owners of these properties. And they would always be telling me about their pain points, you know, oh, I, I'm having to pay this amount of mortgage, but I'm not, you know, making revenue, so right. on and so forth. But it gave me a unique vantage point early, you know, being able to engage with those people, convenience stores and stuff like that. So I thought just looking at apartments and how they were changing, just saw a fine opportunity for me to take what I knew, took my um, my sunset numbers, as I call it. They basically said, hey, we ran you off this day. Right. Lunchtime, I'm doing my business plan, just planning it out and picking the ground running everything. Man, so right now you're on a 2.0 Goody Box. But tell us about the first iteration. What was your, what was your MVP? Our first MVP was, man, right here in Dallas in uh, Victory Victory Park. Uh, right when they started doing a redevelopment there and putting the apartments there, we put our flagship store right there. Uh, and the, the building is called the Appraiser right there, right in front of American Airlines. 
So 1.0 was from the vantage point of vending. I saw like, you know, the, the standard vending machine, but it only had like snacks and chips and stuff like that. And at the time, you know, I had my son and uh, I was living in the building and between the garage and the head I was like, bro, I'm doing a lot. Yeah. How can I, how can I speed this up? And this was like really before big Amazon delivery boom and stuff like that. So like when it hit me, I walked by one vending machine that was on the property. And I was like, how can I change this up and make it more, you know, products that are tailored to people that live like I live and are going through these problems. So this research and trials and tribulations, man, created that first store and got it up and running and made some decent money off of it. Not for sure. So essentially it's a tech company. So how'd you build that out? Like what did, what all did it take to, to build uh 1.0 goodie box out? So I reached out to, um, I, first I, I saw the difference between like standard vending machines right. and what I wanted to do to dispense those products. And I found out, you know, what I was looking for was a, a form of robotics. Right. So, you know, of course, like I was saying briefly, you know, I really read things that I'm fascinated with or trying to understand better. So we immediately began like a, almost an obsession <laughs> with like, robotics. How does this right. work? So I found a manufacturer that, made, that manufactured a, a, a axis of robotics that would push and pull. That was like the first part. So essentially that was like the guts inside of the box that I was trying to build. So I found that manufacturer, solidified that relationship and created that design. And then I needed to find the box to put it in. And so that was a whole nother part. So I had to figure that out, find that manufacturer, solidify that relationship, took some time. Um, so we got that first installation and flagship in 2015. Okay. So that work took me from like early or mid 2013. So it took about two years to okay. actually build one and get one done. You know, so combination of finding the right tool and what I needed, it took about two years. So essentially, it's two different manufacturers. So you got the base robotics part and then you got the box part, right? Exactly. So who combined those together? That was me. So okay. <laughs> my first time, you know, understanding it, trying to understand what was in my head and what I saw. My main goal was trying to put it in these coordinates. So it was... Most of the apartments that I saw, you know, they had these vending nooks or what we call kind of alcoves. Right. So I said, okay, it needed to be, you know, this seven foot in height, about two and a half foot in depth was what I was focusing on. So I got myself in a warehouse, you know, put together these parts, have some other people that, you know, were good with welding and stuff that I can okay. hire and freelance. And then created that flagship. Um, Took some time, but yeah, myself and trial and error, man, yeah. got it up and created it. Man, that's crazy. So, you know, I'm, I'm not coming from that background, so I'm just looking it in, probably like our audience as well. So mass producing or producing a couple of these, you know what I'm saying, as, as testers can be expensive, right? Mm -hmm. So um, did you take, you know, did you do all this yourself or did you raise capital to help you with Goody Bucks? Or what route did you go to for funding? Man, my first route is that, uh, no, nah, I didn't have any capital other than my own. Uh, that corporate career ladder, um, it helped me early on. I um, forget what age I was at that point, but um, was trailing. Um, my last position was, uh, you know, vice president in banking. So my, my salary was decent there. Uh, but at that time, you know, culturally wasn't a good fit. So I just started saving money, you know what I mean? Stacking, 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 knowing that I wanted to transition with this opportunity. Um, so yeah, man, my first 
first piece of money that I threw into the business, put in like 75, 80 bands to, you know, create the concept, about 40 of that, which it took, and then about 40 to market it, which was my initial, um, you know, influx of capital that I put in, and, and it got me going. That's what's up. Another thing I've seen, bro, is you've been amazing at being a part of like the Dallas business culture, man. Um, can you talk to us about some things you've done? Because I feel like you maybe won some grants or maybe some pitch competition. Talk to us about that. Oh, man, for sure. Oh, man, shout out to the uh, Dallas Entrepreneur Center, um, that network, and specifically uh, the Redbird Entrepreneur Center. Um, you know, being I live in the southern state of Dallas, I felt like just coming here, I see the, the disparity between the divide in north and south. Um, so ultimately, I, I just felt my spirit. I feel like I'm an underdog as it is or out to, you know, defy the odds is, you know, just kind of just naturally in my spirit. So connecting with, you know, those resources there, you know, um, Redburn Entrepreneur Center introduced me to the Dallas network of, uh, you know, entrepreneur resources. Um, that led me into getting affiliated with uh, one of the larger groups here in Texas, the Capital Factory. Right. Um, that's also a part of, you know, investment and uh, resources for entrepreneurs to scale their businesses. So just getting on the ground before pre-COVID, it's a lot of networking opportunities. So in a lot of people's faces, you know, <laughs> telling them about what I'm doing, trying to really, honestly, trying to figure the culture out. Right. Um, <clears throat> I think like myself and others, we hear from the outside looking in, you know, venture capital, what does it take to get this? You need mentors. So man, I, I was hearing it, reading about it. So I seeing it was here in Dallas. I'm out in the streets trying to get to anybody that, that was talking about that and open those doors for me and you know, others that are doing the same. For sure. So is, is Goody Box now uh, backed by venture capital? We aren't yet, uh, but I say that to say that we, we're having a conversation, right. but you know, learning about what that entails is like, man, I'm giving away equity early for, you know, simply selling the piece of my company that I worked hard for and um, the terms, they feel a little aggressive. Right. So uh, at the moment, I, I don't necessarily need the money. So gotcha. I'm waiting until that opportunity feels right. And then we'll maybe explore it then. But yeah, definitely having some healthy conversation. Nah, definitely. So do you, do you think venture capital is for every business or do you think, man, it's, it's helpful, but at same time, it can be harmful as well. What's your what's your perspective on it? To be honest, um, the stats don't lie and the data don't lie. Venture capital is an amazing asset uh, class, should I say, but it's very small. And what I'm saying that to say is that they're investing in certain types of technology. Right. If not, a, it, it shouldn't be on the radar or an interest for all types of business. All types of businesses don't need venture capital, but the success at the moment of the headline, a lot of people see are aligning, aligning with technology. Um, software has been advantageous um, so far, um, but for my category, I would be almost considered hardware. So like software is getting funded, but hardware gets funded too, but not at the same magnitude. whole different set of metrics, right. whole different ball game. So for somebody looking to get, you know, back by venture capital, raise money, what is a, what do you think is a comfortable uh, amount of equity they need to be willing to part with, like they would give to the investor without hmm. saying like, all right, man, I feel like I'm giving them my soul. Hmm. I would say uh, each circumstance is different, but ideally, you know, you have to think when you're giving up equity, 
have to look at both sides of the table. If people are investing in your business and going to continue to invest in your business, you have to, excuse me, save some meat on the bone is what I'm saying. So, so 20% is maybe the ideal seed or initial stage that right. you're giving up with. But think, you know, that 20%, if you got a co-founder, they may have another 20% and that's all divvying up that pie. So saying you got to have another meat on the bone in hopes of continuing to raise money, it dilutes you every time that you raise money. So holding on to that equity and negotiating that is a, you know, a science and an art. Um, but, you know, 20% is decent to get you started and, you know, other goals as you continue to grow and hopefully reach that exit, you know. Not for sure, man. Offline, we're talking about actually uh, conducting business and having transactions, man. Where do you feel like people, uh, let's talk about minorities in general, man. Where do we, we think about the dollars a lot or, you know, trying to create something. But where do you think people lack at when it comes to doing business? You know, I see a lot of people on social media, but then it's like, man, do you know your numbers? Do you know your back end? You know what I'm saying? So what, what even what advice would you give them to actually conduct business in this in this state? Conducting business, man, I would say the difference of what I see, I think a lot of people are maybe passionate and hmm, what's the right word? Allured to what entrepreneurship yeah, affords. But you know, saying that to say is that not no slight, but I don't think people really understand what it really goes, what goes on to run a business and not, you know, any kind of business. You know, your pizza shop on the corner is going to take a certain level of detail. Technology companies going to require a certain level of detail, meaning that, man, it's certain layers of business. If you're a CEO, you know, you, you're the face. You're out raising money, making sure everybody is fed. That means like everything. That means the lights, the water, salaries, you know, and that, that's a a whole new role, but I feel like we're kind of, I don't know, fetishizing what an entrepreneur is and access and think we're doing business by talking business, but man, it's meetings, it's long hours, it ain't no nine to five, it's, it's life at the end of the day. So. No, for sure, man. So, man, how did, how did, how did you really learn all of this? Because, you know, like us growing up, man, you know, we may come from a different culture. We see people, you know, doing success, being successful. But then it's not, we don't have mentors. You sure. know what we don't have somebody walking us in and telling us how X, Y, and Z goes. So like, where did you, where did you learn all your business acumen and um, and all your tips and tricks to get to where you are today? Foundationally, man, I kind of shadow studied my, my grandfather. Um, nothing major, but some of his principles, I think, just kind of gave me grounds to understanding, hey, I could run a business, a small business small real estate, um, you know, entrepreneur, you know, invested in certain types of uh, small homes, managed them, so on and so forth. So they gave me the proximity to understanding, okay, this is somebody doing something different other than the street guys and other people that we grew up and had the proximity with. Uh, but just really being a student and a researcher, I think ultimately um, gave me a lot of the information. I went to school for business. But it was a lot of reading, you know, nothing that equipped me to what we actually have to do here. So researching and learning other people's struggles and things that they have, you know, communicated with, communicated vocally gave me a, a you know, unique vantage point on what not to do. So that helped out with learning. But ultimately, the best teacher that I've had is getting out here, spending my own money, learning from trial and error, fixing it and getting on down the road to be really, really frank. Nah, dope, man. So where do you see Goody Box, you know what I'm saying, in 2021? Like, where do you see it going in the future? 
I've seen you got a lot of great stuff coming, you know, 2.0, but like what's the next, you know, the next phase of it? For us, um, 2.0, we've been delaying it for, for months and months. Um, COVID's uncertainty and uh, what we can do as far as, uh, you know, legislation easing that. Um, so for us, we definitely will be raising a, a seed round here this year uh, and introducing 2.0 uh, more than likely in the spring, maybe summer. Uh, hopefully nothing gets too weird here. But, right. um, that's immediate for us. You know? yeah. So what can people find in Goodie Box now? Though? Like, let's say they do have it at their location or they run upon it. What kind of types of products can we see? Man, toiletries, um, feminine hygiene products, stuff that you hate to run out of, uh, everything that's not snacks or chips. Uh, surprisingly, uh, ahead of uh, COVID and going into COVID, man, we really got success with a lot of CBD products. So okay. uh, we actually put pre-rolls in machines, okay. topicals, other stuff. Um, so man, that's been really our, our bread and butter. Electronics, iPhone chargers, stuff that people be like, man, I, I, don't, I left it, I ran out of it. I hate to go to the store. I don't want to wait for delivery. We try to provide, put it in the box. And so for, okay, so the business model of Goodie Box, right? Do, do you sell each individual or do you own all of them or do you franchise? Like how do you do, do you lease them to other buildings or how does that work? I own all uh, 15 Goodie Box locations at the moment, okay. uh, but we are exploring a franchise in Austin Market. I have uh, two franchisees that are, uh, you know, up and running and uh, learning and training for that. Um, so we're, we're exploring that avenue. It's just something that we're testing. Uh, what we really do is that we come to apartments, high traffic locations, and offer them an amenity, no upfront cost, um, and give them a portion of the okay. revenue. So it's us. You know, saying you're underutilizing this space. Let me give you a piece of that piece of piece of our revenue in exchange for that that real estate. So basically, you uh, you provide all the inventory, everything. Yeah. Okay. And do you do you partner with companies for the inventory? Or is that just something you get wholesale, put it in yourself, and then just mark up? We have done both. No. Um, but as going in four or five years, year four we would start analyzing a lot of the data, figuring out what was selling and what, what wasn't. Um, so at that point, we began to private label a lot of those products. So um, if deodorant was selling versus putting Right Guard in there, I'm creating my own. You know, we got a brand called um, um, The Goods is what we've been putting out there low key. So everything that's been decent, we've been slowly but surely increasing the margins and introducing them to the box. So really y'all y'all awesome. Nipsey Hustle Vertical Integration. Vertical <laughs> Integration, yes, sir. But think of it like, you know, Trader Joe's or, yeah. you know, Audi in a box, that yeah, kind of right. business model. Because, I mean, you're providing distribution and then you're seeing that, you know, what's selling. So now you can create your own product, distribute your own product, market. Absolutely. Your own product. Now, that's, that's a great that's a great idea, man. Yeah, I, love, I love what you're doing. Before we wrap up, man, last but not least, bro, I, I kind of want to know who was the first person that co-signed you in business? You know what I'm saying? Like, we always... Had that one person like, man, I believe what you're doing. You know what I'm saying? They may have provided, it could have been something minuscule, like just like provide you some extra information. But like, who was the first person that may have seen your business acumen and want to help and support you? Man, two parts. I don't know if you really remember Cosign Magazine. You actually gave me one of my first uh, ads through, you know, the homie brand, a brand for Jesse. Yeah, I remember that was like 20, damn, 16, yeah. 17, it was early. Huh? Right, so yeah. that was one of my first times getting, you know, visibility and advertisement there. Uh, but also, too, um, just throughout, I mentioned networking. 
I actually, you know, tapped Craig Lewis on the shoulder in one of the, you know, events. Um, you know, he kind of pulled me to the side and said, man, you need, you know, you just need more attention and advertising on your business. So he was able to facilitate something. So he was one of the first here locally kind of see what I was doing and start the, the media trail for me. So. Nah, it's dope. And last but not least, bro, leave us with like either a quote, uh, an affirmation or something motivational, man, that you live by or that you read every day or something that just keeps you going. Man, um, let me think on that one. Something, something to chew on. Yeah, man, that's a, I kind of like to throw that one in there because you think we're always going, we're always grinding, moving, hustling, researching. So it's like, man, for, for me, one of mine is um, you miss 100%, 100% of the shots you don't take. For you know sure. What I'm saying? So Definitely. with me having like a fear of rejection, I'm like, bro, I'm not, I'm not going to be successful if I don't shoot. Exactly. So that just keeps me pushing, keeps me asking, 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 you know what I'm saying? And those no's fuel me to finally get a yes. I would say, man, mine is, man, stay down, put the work in, the money will come. Yeah. Man, that's real. The money yeah. will come. The money will come. I do feel a lot of people focus on the money first. You know what I'm saying? Like That's a whole other conversation. That's <laughs> you know, maybe a slight, not really, but I think a lot of us just expounding the previous conversation yeah. that we were having, it's like I feel like a lot of us in this space are looking at venture capital as like a savior right. when ultimately it's gas for the tank, meaning that if we're building something that, you know, doesn't require a lot of initial capital, the goal is to make money, man. Do numbers, get it out there, get users, whatever you can before looking at that VC to like, you know, throw money at it because they're going to you know, gonna have some sharky, some weird terms that's going to try to take everything. Do numbers, stay down. Do the work, man, the money will come. Man, it'll definitely come, man, you know. And, uh, you know, I got some gems today. I appreciate your time, man, bro. appreciate you having me. Yeah, and I look forward to seeing what's next in Goody Box, man. And, uh, you know, definitely supporting. And, you know, yeah, here Cosign, I always co-sign you, bro. For sure. So make sure y'all tap in at goodybox.com. It's two X's on box. And uh, continue living the Cosign life. Thank you.